Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. Once again, we just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Father. As we come to the ministry of your word, we come to you knowing you alone have the words of life. We are coming to you, Lord, all of us. There's only one speaker. And there should be only one speaker. It has to be you, Father. For you alone have the words of life. We need knowledge, we need wisdom, we need understanding, but above all, we need life. The life you brought us. The life that overcomes. And it is in your word and through your spirit. So we submit ourselves to the authority of scriptures and to the ministry of your Holy Spirit. Who is the teacher? For you said when your spirit comes, he shall teach you all things. Teach us. Bring to our remembrance the things we have forgotten. Put it all together in our minds and our hearts, O Lord. That the word of God may rule in our hearts. And then we can truly say, your name, your will, and your kingdom lives in us. Teach us, Lord, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Saturdays we've been over quite some time, been looking at what we termed as the B series. Because the kingdom of God and those who are in the kingdom of God, the Bible says he or she is a new creation. It's not a reformed man. It's a new creation. Salvation is not the reformation of the old man. God doesn't do that. For the old man, God has only one solution. Execute him. Kill him. Okay? So it's a new man. It's a new creation. And the new creation, that new man, the old man is focused on doing. And sometimes he's focused on doing nothing. But he's always focused on doing. The new man has to be focused on being. He does things because of who he is. Because that is who God is. Whatever God does, it's because of who he is. So we have been created in Christ Jesus to become something. To become something. Okay? And because we are something, and are becoming something, naturally we do things. And it agrees with God. Okay, So we've been looking at, if you know, last week we looked at be sanctified. The five means by which God sanctifies us. Okay, The previous week we looked at being repentant. We have to constantly change our th- ways, our thoughts and our ways. As we hear, understand more about God's ways and God's thoughts, we keep changing. Okay, Being repentant. Today we are looking at another portion. First Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Be sober, be vigilant. So today we are looking at being sober and being vigilant. Okay, Why should I be vigilant? Because your adversary, your adversary, my adversary, we have an adversary. It's a 
spiritual adversary. It's not adversary you can see with your physical eyes, but he's more real than your physical adversaries. When you, if you have a physical adversary and he or she is not there with you or is in another place, they do not harm you so much. Like out of mind, out of sight. But there is a spiritual adversary and he's real. And he's called there. He's the devil. Devil. He walks about like a roaring lion. Lions usually roar only when they are hungry. When they are to intimidate their prey. That's when they roar. And the prey freezes because of the roar of the lion. Seeking. He walks. He roars. He seeks. Whom he may devour. The Bible says the thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. So we have an adversary. And he's out there to devour us. So the Bible says resist him. Steadfast in faith. Okay? Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So that suffering here, that particular set of suffering is connected to the devil. Connected to the devil. Okay. The devil can bring trouble into our lives. The Bible says resist him. Okay, resist him. But the first instruction is be sober, be vigilant. Be sober, be vigilant. Because this is not a physical lion who comes and bites you. This is a spiritual lion who comes and deceives you. Okay, deceives you. And through deception he devours. If you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2, 1, and then verse 3. This is to speed it up. 1, 2, 1. Okay. Therefore, we must give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift. How do we be sober? How do we be vigilant? By giving very earnest heed or careful attention to the things we have heard. If you forget your math, you will have some monetary loss. Usually the other person will be honest, so he will return even if your calculation is wrong. Okay. Even if you don't understand physics, we can use all these things. Most things which you learn in school, college, 90, I think around 99% we will forget. We will never use in life. Even when we use it, we use it without knowing this is what it meant. But one thing we need to be careful. The things that we have heard from God. The things we have heard from the word of God. The things that we have heard from behind the pulpit. Pay earnest heed. Because if you do not, if you are not sober, you are not vigilant with the word that we have heard. What happens without even realizing we will drift away. And drifting, nobody notices. We just drift away. We drift away. So we have, second thing is verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Be sober. Be vigilant. Don't neglect your salvation. Even if you neglect your health, but don't neglect your salvation, you will make it to heaven. But you can pay careful attention to your health and neglect your salvation, you'll go to hell. You can neglect a lot of things in life. 
one thing you should never neglect. Okay? So pay careful attention. How do you how do you become sober? How do you become vigilant? By keep paying careful attention to instruction and being careful attention to the salvation that has been preached. Don't neglect. Okay. So please remember. Otherwise, what happens? The devil yeah, please keep the door shut because the AC is on. Okay. The devil devours people because they don't pay careful attention. See, the old man, there are a lot of things that is very normal to the old man. One of that is distraction. Nobody has to be told, be distracted. But you have to be told, pay careful attention. These are things we have to strive for. No. Distraction comes naturally. Attention, you have to labor. You have to work on it, work on it, work on it, work on it until we learn the art of paying careful attention in spite of distraction, especially in a church. Because a church is a different kind of a classroom where you, from the little ones, all kinds of people will come to church. Small ones, children, babies. Remember, old days, church was no Sunday school, nothing. Everybody was together, one message. And often the message was letters that was read. So, children, other things, outside things or things in your mind, nothing should distract you. We have to learn those things, how to pay careful attention. Okay. Why? Because there is a devil who devours like I said, it's not a physical lion. If a physical lion, you will know you are being devoured. <laughs> you will know. You slowly die. Or if he's merciful, usually the lion is very merciful. He goes for the juggler way. He finishes a few very fast. If you have noticed them in those movies, they go for the neck. And they will hang on to that even though the prey is double his size. He knows he has to. Other places they know it does not. I mean, God has trained them. Intuition-wise, he knows where to go for. Okay, so he comes to steal, to kill, but he's, he's not even content with killing. He wants to destroy us. So understand that. So his method is deception. That's why we pay careful attention to the Word of God. If you look at almost any passage in the New Testament. Especially concerning the last days. Almost with every passage concerning with the last days, there is a kind of warning against deception. If you look at First Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 and 2. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, the Holy Spirit says in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. So these are talking about, so take that and you can get away, leave once saved, always saved. Because if you are not in the faith, you cannot depart from it. You cannot depart from something which you are not in it. Okay, so they will bring a huge thing about these are people who only gave intellectual acceptance to the faith, not a heart. It's all bunkum. Okay, you can depart from your faith. If you cannot depart from your faith, that means you do not have free will. You do not have free will. If you do not have free will, you cannot choose. If you cannot choose, you cannot be saved. 
Okay, so there is logic also involved over here. Because it says, in the latter times, some will depart from faith. How do they depart from faith? Because they did not give careful heed to the things that were preached, but they gave heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. There's nothing neutral. It's nothing, nothing neutral. The spiritual realm, the realm in which we live in, there's nothing neutral. There's always voices speaking. Always voices. So there are deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Everybody has got some doctrine in their head. It is impossible to consistently do something or believe in something unless it is ratified by a doctrine. The question is, is the doctrine the doctrine of Christ? If it is not, it is a doctrine of demons. There are only two doctrines around. One is the doctrine of Christ. The other are the doctrines of the demons. So the Bible says, be very careful. Because whenever the Bible talks about the last days, it always wants about deception. Because deception will increase more in the last days. What does it mean? It means the activity of the demonic will increase multifold in the last days. And God allows it. Why would God allow it? Because that in the last days we have been given more knowledge about God than any other generation. Therefore, he says, fight it. Fight it. Our previous generation did not either have the knowledge of God or the gadgets and all those methods by which we can receive. When did printing begin? 1600, something, 1700. I forgot the date when Gutenberg. Huh? Yeah, okay. So it's Printing is only around 300, 350 years, so 400 years of printing. And we are talking about 5,600 years without printing, where people did not have, have a personal copy of the Word of God. And then look at how everything has exploded. Everything has exploded. The kind of gadgets and technology that is available. Therefore, God allows demonic activity because that's a test for our faith. Are you really serious about your soul? Are you really serious about it? Salvation is the salvation of your soul. Let me tell you a simple thing. How serious we are about a body. Do you know the number of things we do to avoid a mosquito bite? The amount of chemicals from the government onwards, fumigation going around in the evening, messing up the entire, all because of the mosquito. We have all the netting on our windows, we have a mosquito net, we have all repellents, all because one mosquito will bite you. You know how particular we are about the body? But where are you going to take your body? In the body is the valuable part, that is your soul. And every message of the word of God is directed against the soul, towards the soul, because it's the salvation of your soul. The end of our faith is the salvation of our soul. And we do not give earnest heed to the things we have heard concerning our soul, but we will give earnest heed to things that are concerning the body. Anything that profits the body, we will give earnest heed. That's our problem. So the Bible talks, that's how the devil deceives us, deceives us, from taking us out of our vision of the eternity to the temporal. So if you know, 
How does the devil do? He uses lies. Lies are the enemy's most powerful weapon. Because without a lie, he cannot deceive. And therefore, truth is our most powerful defense. In Matthew 24, very familiar for us, verse 3, when Jesus was asked, okay, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? There are two things they want to know. Your coming, second coming. And what is the sign of the end? Everybody wants to know that. And everybody would expect if they haven't read this portion, Jesus will say, these are the signs. But that's not how he begins. Okay? He says, he says don't worry about first about the signs. Because even the signs can deceive you. You can be deceived by signs. So the first thing is to protect, verse 4 will say, is to protect. Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. Why? For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Okay, That's what he says. Many will come in my name. Many, many will come in my name. And they will deceive. So the question is, how does deception take place? False messiahs will come. False saviors will come. Or there will be doctrines that is pointing towards a person, an ideology, a doctrine that does not save. Only one savior is there. There are no two saviors. Only one savior. Only one can say, that is Jesus Christ. No one else can say. No one else can say. And why can he only say? Because he is the only one who has paid the penalty for our sins. That is the reason. The penalty that has to be paid for the wages of sin is death. Only he has paid for all mankind. Nobody else has paid. Only he can say. So there is only one savior. But he says, in the last days, many saviors will come. Many, many saviors will come. So we have to be very, very, very careful about deception. How does various saviors come? Through various doctrines and messages which take us away from Christ. The only one who can save. The most powerful, one of the most powerful for me, primarily this is the most powerful passage in the entire Bible to guard ourselves from deception is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 and 4. I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve. So his method has never changed. From the beginning, it was deception. He deceived Eve by his craftiness. So your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. The gospel message is very simple. It's very simple. It's not a complex. Even a child can understand. Don't ask the child, are you a sinner? Have you done wrong? Yes. Have you lied to your parents ever? Yes. Have you hidden things from your parents? Yes. Can it be put right? No. If I punish you, will it become right? No. Okay. So we all have sinned. But you know what that means? 
you will never go to heaven. Unless God makes a way. And God made a way. Gospel can be told to children very easily. It is very simple. You know what God said? All the things which you did, God punished Jesus. If you believe Jesus, Lord, you took my punishment, forgive me. I will only believe in you. You will go to heaven. It's not complicated. Even a child can understand gospel. It's not complicated at all. But they know what is right and wrong. And there is punishment for wrong. Okay. So do not let the enemy take you through his craftiness from the simplicity. Our mind should be corrupted from the simplicity of the gospel that is in Christ Jesus. But look at verse 4. Verse 4 is the most important. False messiahs comes. False saviors come. False preachers come. Some of them are genuinely false. Some of them don't know they are false. That's because they don't know Christ. If you don't know Christ, if you don't know the truth, you don't know a lie is a lie. Right? It's a lie. And let us say a man comes from another country and you give him a 500 rupee note. He has never seen an Indian 500 rupee note. But the note you gave was false. How would he know? He wouldn't know. Even we cannot identify the false ones. I mean, how will a stranger know it? He's a stranger to that note. Okay. So a lot of people who are preaching around, please understand they are false, but not intently. They don't intend to be false. They don't know the truth. Then there are others within the kingdom of God. They are the ones who are dangerous. Not outside. The outside ones are not, not dangerous. Now, you will never listen to a Muslim preacher. Who will listen? We won't listen. We will never listen to a Hindu preacher. We will not listen to a New Age preacher. These people are not dangerous for us. The dangerous ones come in God's channel. In Christian networks. Okay, So that's what the Bible is saying. For he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached. If you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Three things. A different Jesus, a different gospel, a different spirit. Three ways in which deception comes. The most powerful words for me personally in the entire Bible, how deception comes. They preach a different gospel, which presents a different Jesus, and you receive a different spirit. Okay? And we have to be careful. That's why we have to be vigilant because you have to put a premium on your soul. Christ did not die for your body. He died for your soul. The body has its benefits because of his redemption. But he primarily died for your soul and he will give you a new body. So be careful about it. The deceiver. Okay. What does he do? He preaches another gospel. He preaches Another Jesus. And if you receive it, you receive another spirit. Can I have it in NIV also? Just verse 4. So that you will understand what the Holy Spirit through Apostle Paul is trying to tell us. Okay. Yeah. 11.4. 2 Corinthians 11.4. 
Okay? If someone comes to you and preaches, and preaches a Jesus, other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the ones you accepted, you put up with it easily. You see, somebody comes and preaches a real Jesus, you fight. Somebody comes and preaches the real gospel, you resist. Somebody offers you another spirit, you receive it very fast. But if somebody comes and preaches the false one, you easily receive it. That's the problem. That's the problem. That's what the Bible is talking about. So there is a three-pronged attack from the enemy. Preaching another Jesus, another gospel, and offering another spirit. And the problem is we receive it, we will think we are saved when we are saved, not saved. Because there is only one Jesus who saves. There is only one spirit who sanctifies. And there is only one gospel that is the gospel of peace. Everything else is false. That is why truth is so, so important. Because our only weapon of both offense and defense is truth. The most important question in the Bible ever asked by a Gentile is in John 18 and verse 38. His name was Pilate. Okay? Only thing he didn't know how to pilot his own life. <laughs> Pilate said to him, <laughs> Pilate is the only pilot who lost his way. He said to him, what is truth? The most important question ever asked. Okay? What is truth? And for 6,000 years, neither religion, nor philosophy, ideologies have been ever been able to answer this question what is truth because only the word of god gives the answer only the person who hears the gospel and encounters the person of jesus christ through the holy spirit can understand truth you have to hear the gospel and you have to have an encounter with the person of the Jesus, the person of Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, and receive Him. As many as He will receive Him. You have to receive the person. Then only you will start your journey with truth. You cannot receive an idea. The gospel is an idea. But receiving the gospel as an idea does not mean you know the truth. You have to encounter the person of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit and receive that person. The Bible does not say, as many as who received the gospel. No, the Bible says, as many as who received him, the person. That's why people can sit in a service or evangelical crusade and be fascinated by the message and have goosebumps and then go and forget everything. Because you never encountered the person. Encountered the person. Salvation is an encounter with a person. So the gospel is about a person. And like we say, the Bible gives three coordinates. John 17, verse 17. John 17, verse 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Excuse me. It's right at the tip of my nose. It just went back. 
sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. What is truth? Your word. First coordinate. The word of God. Second, always begins with the word. Remember that. Always begins with the word. It does not begin with anything else. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God or the word of Christ. It begins with the word. That is why blessed are those feet of those who preach the gospel. You witness, you preach, whatever, you know. It's the word comes first. Second coordinate. John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So word of God is the first coordinate. The person of God, that is Jesus Christ, the son of God, it's a second coordinate. And 1 John 5, 6. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth. The third coordinate is the Holy Spirit. I preach you the gospel. I present you the person of Jesus Christ. But if the Holy Spirit does not convince you or convict you, you will still not believe. So there are three coordinates. The word of God, the person of Jesus Christ, and the spirit of truth. If you get these three coordinates, almost always you have a lock-in on truth. But you need to have all these three. That is why people will come and preach a different gospel, a different Jesus, and a different spirit. Okay, What is our safety? The word of God, the person of Christ, and the spirit of God. For example, one may preach, come and preach the gospel within quotes. It sounds so good, so interesting, so captivating. But later, when you check with the word of God, you realize it does not agree with scripture. Does not agree with scripture. So any gospel you hear, has to agree with scripture. We know John 10, 35. Okay. If we call them gods to whom the word of God came, the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken. So he says something, it sounds so interesting, but scripture doesn't agree with it and scripture cannot be broken. So it does not matter how interesting it is, how wonderful it sounds, how great it is, if it does not agree with scripture, does not agree with scripture, what happens? It is not true. Why? Because scripture cannot be broken. Psalm 119, verse 89. Forever, not for some time, forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Because the word is settled, scripture is settled, it will never change. It cannot change. The word has the very nature of God. God does not change. The word does not change. Or the third, just give you three. Psalm 138 and verse 2. I will worship toward your holy temple. Praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. Your truth. What is that truth? For you have magnified your word above all your name. So the first coordinate is important. Unless we understand this, that there is a lion out there, who is walking around, 
seeking whom he may devour. And he devours people through lies, through deception. And our only protection is truth. And the word of God is truth. We will not read the word the way we should read it. We won't give it the word our everything. Everything. We have a saying in English, a dying man will cling to a straw. See, when you are dying, when you are, let's say you don't know how to swim, your boat, whatever, capsized, even if it is a plank, people will hang on to it and sometimes get rescued. But imagine there is no plank, there is nothing, all there is a straw. A dying man will cling to a straw, hoping the straw will take his weight and he can learn. That's how you should cling to the word of God. Cling to the word of God. Why? Because the word of God is truth. We have the person of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. Both in some ways are subjective. This is objective. This is, I have right here with me all the time. All the time. There's no escaping the word. There's no avoiding the word. You have to cling to the word like a dying man clings to a straw. That's the only thing that can save us. Okay. That's what the first coordinate. The first coordinate is the word of God. Because the word of God is truth. truth. Because there are many gospels. And people swallow that gospel because they do not know the word of God. I will give you an example. Okay. Two well-known examples. One is the prosperity gospel. Is there prosperity in the Bible? Yes. But is there something that is a prosperity gospel? No. Is a prosperity gospel? No. If you understand the prosperity gospel and try to check it with the word of God, you will see it does not agree. It does not agree. Or there is another gospel. Just believe. You do not know the danger of this gospel. That gospel actually has done more damage than the prosperity gospel. This is a gospel in which repentance is never preached. Never preached. And therefore what happens? People never change. Because change is not preached. You don't have to repent to be saved. See, when you don't have repentance, then following it, a lot of things will have to be taken out. So, because you don't want to make people ups, uncomfortable. So you have to take songs, hymns, mention about the blood of Jesus. The cross is taken out. The crucifixion is taken out. All these things are taken out. You know why all this was taken out? Because repentance was taken out. They did not take the cross out first. They did not take the blood out first. They took repentance out first. And the mess you see in Christianity, Western Christianity and Eastern Christianity, all forms of Christianity is because they changed the gospel and took repentance out. When the gospel begins in the gospel according to Mark, we saw last time from 1 to 4, verse 15, 115, yeah. Mark 115, okay. I gave it, right? Sure, I didn't give it. Okay, Mark 1.15, Jesus begins his ministry by saying, repent for the kingdom of God is here. All the way to Revelation 3 verse 19. Okay, you're beginning with the Gospels, 
Okay? The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Why is he saying the kingdom of God is at hand? The problem is, it is very close. But when the kingdom of God physically manifests, it's no time to repent. So he is saying, repent before the kingdom of God manifests on earth. Repent and believe in the gospel. So there was never a gospel preached by either Jesus or the apostles which just said, believe in the gospel. The gospel was always repent and believe in the gospel. That's how it begins. All the way, if you look at Revelation chapter 3 verse 19, all the way to Revelation 3, 19, as many as I love and I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. This is to the final Laodicean church. I know, the five churches in the book of Revelation. What is it? It is one word that is common. Stressed is what? It is repent. Repentance has been taken out. And when you have taken repentance out, you see the state in which the church ends. So what do we have as a result? The result have a gospel which is not true. A gospel that is being preached which is not true. You have a social gospel. You have a social gospel. Okay, That is where social gospel in the Catholic University, they have a painting of Jesus as George Floyd. Last week, it's all there in the news. It's a social gospel. Okay. It's a Marxist, Leninist, revolutionary Jesus. It was big in our young days in Latin America. So many Catholic priests went that way. It was called liberation theology. In that gospel, Jesus comes with a gun. Meaning, you fight. You fight. You need to realize the different forms of the gospel because people do not know their word. If you do not know the word, like if you are in an impoverished, why do you think there is so much revolution in Latin America? Think about it. Latin America is a continent plagued all the way till the Mexican border. From the end, Chile, Peru, all the way up. You have revolutions constantly taking place. But these places are like almost 100% Christian. Catholic and Protestant were mainly Christian. Catholic. Why so much revolution taking place? What is the doctrine behind it? It is the revolutionary gospel. It is liberation theology that empowered them. Like I said, you cannot do anything unless there is a doctrine that sanctions it. So there are so many gospels out there which doesn't agree with the word of God at all. And you know what? The devil will preach the gospel. He will give you a gospel that is different from the word of God. What is the gospel? The gospel is not trying to change society. It is trying to change man from within, a new creation. We had this Saturday one of these questions about slavery. Why didn't Jesus speak against slavery and all that question? Simply, Jesus did not come to abolish slavery. Jesus came to abolish free man from the slavery of sin. Because it does not matter how progressive we become. There is no slavery in the world. Everybody has enough to eat. If you are not saved, you are a slave of sin. There was no poverty in Sodom and Gomorrah. 
The Bible says that. Plenty of money, plenty of bread, plenty of time to do anything. So they automatically became even born slaves of sin. Born slaves of sin. Getting it? Jesus did not come with a social gospel. He came to set man from the slavery of sin. And if that is not there in the gospel, then the gospel is false. Repent and believe. And then he is sanctifying all those words. See, if sanctification, holiness is not preached, it is not the gospel. It is not gospel. If we are not being prepared for eternal judgment, it is not the gospel. These are fundamental. Repent from works that lead to death. Faith in Christ. Doctrine of baptisms. Laying of hands. What, when, when have you heard a message on laying of hands? See, I like an example Derek Prince used. He died so long ago, so he preached this so long ago. He says he was a he used to teach in Africa in Kenya. So he says there are two ways you can get water. One is go out, it's raining. Rainwater directly from heaven. And in those days what they used to do is they had concrete structures and the rainwater was collected in uh, concrete structures and then they used it. But you see it's collected water, the problem is doesn't matter. After some time, you have worms in it. But rainwater worms don't come with it. He says, there is two ways you can receive anointings, gifts of the Holy Spirit. One is directly from God. Another is through laying of hands of a human being. But the problem is there was only one human being who was pure. It was Jesus Christ. So whenever you receive something from the laying of hands, if that vessel is unclean, worms will come with it. That is why Bible says, be careful, do not be hasty in the laying of hands. On the other hand, today everybody will run to receive the laying of hands. And everybody who is not anointed, half of them who are not saved, wants to lay hands. Laying of hands is there in every religion. Yesterday I was going for an evening walk. There is a new establishment that is open near here for another religion. So, there was the pujari who did his rituals. As I was passing by, I saw the people there after that touching his feet. It's part of religion. And now Christians see all these things, you know. Everybody wants to lay hands. What are you passing? What are you passing? What are you passing? Okay, so there are doctrines which people do not even know. That is why everything has to be tested. Tested with the word of God. Tested with the word of God. So the core gospel we need to know. If that is missing, then it is not the gospel. Look at what Paul says in Galatians. Chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, Preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you. Let him be accursed. Look at 
the punishment that is mentioned because of the seriousness of perverting the gospel. When you change the gospel, you send a man to hell. So he says, the one who preaches the gospel, let him go to hell. You get it? That's why James 3.1 says, brethren, we all should not try to become teachers because those who teach will be judged very strictly because the, the, you should not pervert the gospel. You should not change the gospel. So he says, let him be cursed. As we have said, yeah, let's go to the next verse. Okay. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. So you see, I have come and preached the gospel. You received the gospel and you got saved. Now tomorrow somebody else comes and changes the gospel. Other than the gospel you received, let him be cursed. And it doesn't matter who it is, even if it is an angel. If you look at not the eastern part, the western part of religions that has taken place. It is all angelic revelation. Islam is angelic revelation. Mormons is angelic revelation. All these are angelic revelation. But if you look at what they claim, the angels told them, it does not agree with the gospel. does not agree with the gospel. In Islam, Jesus is lifted up. But one thing, the angel told Jesus did not die on the cross. If Jesus did not die on the cross, we will all die sinners and go to hell. So there is no power of salvation in Islam. Why? Because the angel came and perverted the gospel. It uses the word gospel, good news, but we don't know what the good news is in Islam. What is the good news? God died for your sins. Therefore, you don't have to die for your sins. Believe in his work. Believe in his name and be saved. That is not there. Jesus is there. But the work of Jesus is denied. The death of Jesus, most important part for us, the death of Jesus Christ is denied. How did that revelation come? From an angel. Okay. Same thing with Jehovah's Witness, Mormon. All of them have an angel. And in the last days, we see so many people all over YouTube. Angel came, angel came, angel came, angel came too, including angel TV is also there now. This is the danger. Gospel, which we have not preached. What does the word of God say? The gospel you hear from people, if it does not agree with the simplicity of the gospel of Christ. Simple. Very, gospel is very simple. Never make it. Always ask God discernment how to, simple way to do, to learn to be an evangelist is type speaking the gospel to children. If you can speak the gospel to a child, you can speak to anybody. Because it's as sim so simple. Only thing with children, don't use the word sin. Use the word wrong. Did you do wrong? Do you know what the Bible says? Ultimately, the punishment of doing wrong, you will go to hell. Now, who can save you? Daddy can't save you. Mommy can't save you. You're finished. It doesn't matter now. Whatever you do, you're going to hell. I can't save you. There's only one who can save you. You know who it is? It is Jesus. But how can Jesus? Because do you know the cross? You know what it means? Jesus died for your wrong. 
Would you believe Lord Jesus? Thank you for dying for me. I put my trust only in you. Will you please make me a new person? Ask Jesus to come into your heart. It's not complicated. Let them try it. It happens. It happens. Don't change the gospel. If you change the gospel, you don't get saved. Second coordinate. Another may come and preach a lot about Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior. It may sound so good, but when you examine the scriptures, it does not agree with the person of Jesus. Like I said, he is not a Marxist. He did not come to bring a social change. He came to deliver man from the penalty and power of sin and slavery of sin. Lot of people got upset by Dan Brown's that book, you know, what was it called? Junk? Da Vinci Code. People forgot the book and the author. But at that time, millions and millions and so, lot of Christians were upset and so many agreed, yeah, it could be true. Yeah, could be true. Jesus must have married, he must have children. What is Da Vinci trying to present? Another Jesus. A normal Jesus. The problem is that normal Jesus cannot save. He cannot save. If that gospel is true, then there are two classes of people. We are all who are normal and those born of Jesus physically. Because iniquity is passed from father to son. On the race is there with no iniquity. You need to understand there are so many Jesuses being presented. Person, he does not agree. Now Christmas is coming. Now they have named him also Father Christmas. Everlasting Father to Father Christmas. And children love. You go ask in India, 9 out of 10 non-Christian kids, what is Christmas connected with? They will say Santa Claus. They don't know Christ at all. How did it happen? How did it happen? Because we preached and received another gospel. Or God is pictured as his sweet old grandfather. <laughs> you know, there's a difference between father and grandfather. Hmm? We know how tough Zach Poonan is, right? And what does he say about when he sees his grandchildren being disciplined? What does he do? He walks away. He can't stand that sight of his little, <laughs> little grandchildren being spanked. So he walks away. So God has been made into their grandfather. He never will say anything harsh to you. Only lollipops, sweets, he will know. Ever. You know, that is... Do you know how people say, Jesus, my Jesus is not like that. <laughs> Where did you get your picture about Jesus? Have you seen that Jesus who preached, woe, 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 woe? Woe unto you, woe unto you, woe unto you. Okay, Repent or you will also likewise perish. Do you know that Jesus? The Jesus John saw in his vision in the island of Patmos. You know that Jesus? So there is another Jesus that is will never scold you. 
You will only mollycoddle him. But when you read the scripture, it does not fit in with. Because that Jesus is too kind. He will not save you from your sins. He will save you in your sins and make heaven also into hell. Because what happens to heaven if a sinner goes there without being cleansed of his sin? Then there is another Jesus. In this Jesus, Jesus is very severe. He will never speak one kind word. You live in mortal fear of him every day of your life. Even if you sneeze appropriately, you think he will send you to hell. Balance has to be there. I'm telling you there are different Jesuses being preached around. Does it agree with the person of Jesus? So there is this gospel, the message. The message is about a person. Entirely about a person. I'll give you five, six scriptures, all from the book of Acts. 5.42 And daily in the temple, in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus. Pastor, they preached Jesus. If you look at the Bible, you will say they preach the gospel, they preach the word, they preach Christ. The gospel is about Christ. The word is about Christ. They preach Christ. So don't let them come and preach anybody else. You have to preach Jesus as Christ, the one who saves you. The gospel is about a person. It is not about prosperity. It is not about, those are all results. In some cases, it may not even happen. And you will thank God it did not happen. Honestly, most people cannot handle prosperity. It is God's mercy he doesn't prosper us. Because we cannot handle money. We think we can. We can't handle money. We can't handle wealth. Because it gives you an independence from God. It is good to be dependent upon God. Because you will, all your money, you will go to hell. Look at the rich people entitled in the gospel. Was it because they were rich? No. But because they were independent. They put their trust in their riches. Okay? There's nothing wrong about riches. Riches in itself is good. Because the Bible says, riches, glory, honor, riches are all his. So if riches are his, then riches can't be bad. But the problem is, we are bad. We are bad. And bad people cannot handle good things. Glory is good. Can you handle glory? Honor is good. Can you handle honor? We can't handle honor. All the things are good. The problem is not with those things. The problem is with us. So that is why it is good to pray thy will be done. Don't give me glory Lord if it will get into my head. Don't let honor destroy me. Don't let riches. That's why this crown, which represents all these things, is laid at his feet. I don't want this to destroy me. Okay, destroy me. Acts 8.5 Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached 
Christ with him. Acts 8.35 Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus. Who is this? The Ethiopian What are they all preaching? Brother, I will tell you the way how to be healthy, wealthy and wise. They are, none of them are preaching that. They are all preaching Christ. He preached Jesus to him. 9 and 20. Immediately, this is Apostle Saul, got saved, got baptized, full of the Holy Spirit. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. What did he preach? Christ. 11.20 But some of them, there were men from Cyprus and Serene, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. See, it didn't matter who the preacher was. These are different preachers. Some we don't even know their identity. Everybody is preaching the same message and the same person. The gospel is the same and it is about Jesus Christ. And 17.3 Explaining and demonstrating that Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. So the first coordinate is the message. The second coordinate is the person. The message you hear has to agree with the word of God. It has to agree with the word of God. The second one is, it has to agree with the person of Christ. Third one. Another preacher may come. He may come and emphasize on the Bible. Scripture after scripture after scripture. But there is no witness of the Holy Spirit. There is no witness of the Holy Spirit. It's using only scripture. Yes, memorize scripture. Pharisees have memorized scripture. But when the Pharisee was preaching, there was no witness of the Holy Spirit. You have to be careful. Okay. Second, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 to 14. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. If the Spirit is not there, there is no revelation. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man, except the Spirit of man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God, except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak. Not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which Holy Spirit teaches. Who teaches? The Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual, verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So there is, you can use scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture, but there is no witness of the Holy Spirit. There can be two reasons. Either the person who is preaching does not have the Spirit, or the person who is hearing does not have the Spirit. That's why the Bible says the anointing teaches. 
The preacher has to be anointed. The hearer has to rely on the anointing. So that's where we have to be very, very careful about. Second Corinthians 3, 5-6. to What happens when the spirit is not there? Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as being from ourselves. But our sufficiency is from God. What does it mean? What is he talking about? He's talking here entirely about the Holy Spirit. Not about the word. Because you can go to a Bible college and have all your MDs and DDs and THDs and be sufficient in scriptures. But deficient in the spirit. What the Bible says? Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. What does it mean? It means if you are only sufficient in scripture, you have become a minister of the law. If you are deficient of the spirit, it does not matter what portion of the Bible you preach from, you always kill. Because the letter kills, the law kills. But if you are sufficient in the spirit, what does it do? The spirit gives life. Life. Okay. So the third coordinate is there. First is the message. Second is the person. Does it agree with the person of Jesus Christ? And the third is the Holy Spirit. And there is a warning about the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 38. Okay. A statutory warning about how to understand whether the spirit is there or not. 16 and verse 3. I didn't give it. Oh, sorry, 13, 13, not 3, 13, 16, 13, John 13, 16. 16, 1, 3, John 16, 1, 3. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, who is the Holy Spirit? He's the spirit of truth. He will guide you into all truth. If you and I want to go into all truth, there's only one person who can guide. It is the Holy Spirit, not the word and our intellectual ability. We will never be able to crack the word. We will think we have cracked the word, but we just became a cracked pot. <laughs> Only the Holy Spirit can, because the Bible is revelatory. It's revelatory, because it's as deep as the person who wrote it. Like in English literature, if there is the maximum number of books written outside the Bible, outside books written about somebody's work. It is Shakespeare's. The tens and thousands and probably millions of commentaries on every play of his. Each one's interpretation of one play is different. But if you were to get resurrect Shakespeare and ask him, he will say, I never even imagined what these people are saying. <laughs> Okay. It's even, I mean, if that is with Shakespeare, think what is about God. What did God mean by these words? What did he mean by these words? No man can understand it fully. Our minds, our intellect is limited. We need to understand what did God mean? Because what God meant is the difference between life and death. That is the difference. It is the difference between life and death. If you get it wrong, it brings death. If you get it right, it brings life. You cannot go wrong here. Let us say, once saved, always saved. If it is right, 
If it is wrong, it is death. You are very casual about your salvation. You neglect your salvation. You don't pay careful attention. You come three times a year to church and you believe you're going to heaven. Why? Because sometime very long past you made a confession, got baptized and never went to church after that. But you were told you are safe. You are safe. Do you know if you go wrong, the danger of this? Danger of it. What can happen to you? That is why the witness of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth has come. He is the only person who will guide you into all truth. Now, for he will not speak on his own authority. Whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Can I have verse 14 also? He will not speak on his own authority. Whatever he hears, he will. Or maybe it is yeah, he will glorify me. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. One, he will not speak on his own authority. Meaning, if he speaks anything, you can verify it with the word of God. You cannot come and say, the spirit told me, but it's not in the word. Remotely in the word at all. Because he will not speak on his own authority. Whatever he speaks, he will say, it is written. It is written. Second, he will glorify me. What does that mean? How do you know? If you are preaching, or I am preaching, or we are witnessing, we are preaching under the unction of the Holy Spirit. One, the Holy Spirit will never glorify a man. He will never glorify a church. He will never glorify a ministry. The Holy Spirit will only magnify Jesus. And the word of God, because Jesus is the word of God. He will point you always back to the word and to Jesus. It is written. This is what scripture is. He will magnify Jesus. That's how you know. Whenever a man is magnified, an institution is magnified or a church denomination is magnified. The Holy Spirit quietly withdraws. Quietly withdraws. That's why Paul comes and says, I hear there are divisions among you. Some follow Sephas, some follow. How can you follow man? You're glorifying man. You know what if you do? He says, if you glorify Apollos and Peter and Paul, you know what? The Holy Spirit will leave. Because who's Peter? Sinner saved by grace. Who's Paul? Sinner saved by grace. Who's Apollos? Sinner saved by grace. How can you glorify man? Can only glorify the Savior. So always listen. Whenever you see a man glorifying himself for his ministry or his church and it is all about his glory and his glory and he wants that, the Holy Spirit quite. It does not mean the gift is gone because the gift is irrevocable. He may be operating under a gift like Saul prophesying, but the Holy Spirit has left. Now, you don't want to be around a gift when the person has left. You just better flee. Don't be so desperate. I don't care how it comes. I just want that gift to operate in my life. Run for your life because the person has gone. The person has gone. So watch yourself. Watch yourself. So there has to be a constant reliance on the word, 
the Spirit who will point to the person of Christ. Go back to Matthew 24, verse 23 to 25. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible. The assumption is the elect cannot be deceived. The assumption, if possible. If possible. To be a part of the elect. That's your protection. Your protection. If possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So you cannot say, I did not know. Because we have been told beforehand. Beforehand. Now go back to verse 23 and 24. How do false messiahs and false prophets, how do they deceive? One of the ways they deceive. How do people miss? Believe their message because they show great signs and wonders. Great signs and wonders. To deceive. Now listen carefully, all Pentecostals. Miraculous signs and wonders do not necessarily prove the message is true. You cannot judge a message as true because there were supernatural signs and wonders. That's the problem. Are there signs and wonders with God? God is a God of signs and wonders only. But just because there are signs and wonders and great signs and wonders, that does not mean the message is true. How do people get deceived? How will in the last days people get deceived? How are deceivers all around? Because if you look, they have great signs and wonders in their meetings. And people don't know their word. Therefore, they don't listen carefully to their message. And when they listen to their message, if they knew their word, they knew that the error is there in the message. There is error in the message. But you believe the message because you look at the signs and the wonders. Look at 2 Thessalonians, the most parallel passage in the New Covenant doctrinal letter. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 9 to 12. The coming of the lawless one is one according to the working of Satan. There it is men, false Christ, false apostles, false, all these are okay. But who empowers them? Satan is not coming just like that. Before he comes, he has all his messengers. How does he come? With all power, sign and Lying wonder. Lying wonders. What is a lying wonder? Meaning it's not wonderful? Of course it's wonderful. What is the lie in that wonder? The message was false. One of the common things which used to happen in my state. You know paracetamol? It used to be, duplicate paracetamol used to come, which used to be tapioca powder. No, they market it like anything and okay. Now imagine you have a sickness and the doctor prescribes take a paracetamol for three days. Okay. And you went to the shop and bought it. It was tapioca powder. Nice golime, nice packaging, everything. But you took it. And three days later your fever is gone. 
Now, if the fever left naturally, it had nothing to do with what you took. But next time you have a fever, and this is a serious disease this time, you'll say, there's no need to go to the doctor. I'll go get the same tablet. And this time when you go get the tablet, you take it for three days, you die. You know why? Because the original one was fake. And you believed it. You believed it. That's what the Bible is talking about. It's a lying wonder. It's a wonder. But lying wonder. Where is the lie in it? It's in the message. The message was a lie. But the message was attested with signs and power and wonder. Now it's not our job to judge any servant of God, but judge every message. Every Our job is to judge every message. If you don't judge my message, you are responsible. Any preacher, including me, comes and says, if you judge my message, you are judging the anointed one of God. He is false. Because the Bible says, judge him. Not judge the person, judge the message. We have to judge every message. Every message with the word of God. We have to judge. Go to verse 10. With all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Did you see that? So there was deception. But there was wonder and sign and miracles. Power. But there was deception. The entire purpose of this supernatural manifestation was only to deceive. So how did they deceive? They did not deceive with the supernatural wonders. They deceived with the message. What does the Bible says? Among those who perish. It works with those who perish. Why do they perish? Not because of the supernatural wonders. Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they may be saved. There's only one thing that can save you. The truth. The word of God. The true gospel. Nothing else can save you. Nothing else can save you. But because they did not receive the love for the truth. Not for the word of God. You can have the love for the word of God and not have the love of the truth. Because people like me and all who grew up reading, 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 we just can change our pattern from one book to another pattern. Keep reading the Bible. Because we love reading. It doesn't bore us. And you can study the Bible because we studied other books, took notes, and you can do it all the time. We just have to shift your attention, what you did in the same thing you're applying over here. So we're not talking about loving the Bible. We're talking about loving the truth. The truth in the Bible, which convicts you. The word of God has truth. The person of God has truth. The spirit of God has truth. These three coordinates always have to capture your heart. And when you believe and you respond to it and act on it, you know, the first thing is hearing. Okay, when you hear, you have to repent. When you, after repenting, you have to believe. After believing, you have to confess. After confessing, you have to act. Parts of salvation. It all begins by hearing. Faith comes from hearing. When you hear, you have to repent. Every time, even today, even if you know 99.99% you know is 0.01% which is new, which God is telling you, and you have to repent. You hear, first response is repent. After repenting, you have to believe back to Christ. See, my only way out is Christ. And if you have believed, you have to confess. Because the word that can save you is very close to you. It's in your heart. And if you confess with him, confession is important. Because ultimately you believe what you confess. That's why the Bible says out of the heart proceeds everything. 
whatever you confess is actually what you believe. So if you want to change your faith, what you believe, confess the word of God. Confess the word of God. And you know what happens? Ultimately, you will believe it. That's why children should be taught at this age to memorize scripture and keep saying it. They may not understand it. You know, I didn't understand in primary school. We had in Bhutan, everything was learned in songs. Two, two, four, two, three, six, two, four, six. Did you understand it? No. Two, three, four, six, all this up to twelve we had to learn. Now you know it is truth. You know it is truth. Nobody can come and say six, six or thirty-five. We are wrong. It is always thirty-six. When did you know this? I think in class two. Did you know then? No. I confess. I didn't believe, but I confessed. <laughs> now you know. You believe and confess. So everything that you hear, you have to repent, turn to Christ, replace it with the word of God. You have to confess. That's not enough. You have to act. How much is 6636? Okay, I go to a shop. How much is his egg? Six rupees per eggs. Okay, you know what? You give him 50 rupees and walk away. How many did it cost? 50 rupees. You, you did not act on what you believed. Because if you act, believed, acted on what you believed, would have waited there to get 14 rupees back. So, believing is there, confession is there, now you need to act on it. That is the proof. For so everything there is proof. The Bible talks about works of repentance. The Bible talks of works of faith. And when you repent and your faith comes in, you have your considered righteousness. The Bible talks about works of righteousness. There are works of repentance which is different from works of faith. There are works of faith which is different from works of righteousness. That is your evidence. That is your proof. You want evidence. God says, I will give you evidence. So that you will know that you are saved. God knows whether you are saved or not. I want to know whether I am saved or not. God says, what is the proof? He works. So there are works of repentance. Go read the Gospels. When they came to uh, John, John said, do this. That is not works of faith. Those are works of repentance. Works of repentance. Then there are works of faith. Then there are works of righteousness. These are all not the same. Though they may look similar, they are not the same. So you know what the Bible talks about? They did not love the truth. Receive the love of the truth. Therefore, what happened? They could not be saved. Now it can be talk about salvation as a salvation of your soul or it can be salvation of a salvation of a saved person in a particular situation. You can be saved and your marriage perish. You know why? Because you did not receive the truth about your marriage. Okay. You can be saved and going to heaven, but your career failed completely. You know why? Because when the word of God came and the spirit of God told, this is what is wrong with your career, you have to change. You did not change. So you need to realize when it is talking about Bible talks about like we 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 we, we uh, Pastor Vijay and we discuss this thing, no. Every word, I think it is sozo, right? The word salvation, the word is sozo. If you look at healing, it is sozo. 
If you look at deliverance, it is so so. If it is working in salvation, so it is so so. All this is salvation. This salvation that Jesus bought for us on the cross encompasses every area of your life. But you can perish in one area and the soul be saved. You are not able to experience it because you refuse to receive the love of truth. You denied it because you know if I accept it, I have to change. And I'm not willing to change. Why should he, if you're a woman, why should he benefit from my change? Let him change. God says your marriage will perish. Your marriage will perish. We need to realize that's how it works in a family. We're looking in the context of a family or a workplace or a church. Anyway, three places where we as believers are connected. Home, church, work. All these areas, the word of truth will come. Word of truth will come. The Bible talks about faithfulness and diligence. What if you are not a saved person, but you are never faithful in your workplace? Can God prosper you? No. The unbeliever prospers because he is not constrained by these rules. But you will never prosper. Never prosper. God has never, ever blessed. God has never, ever blessed a lazy person in the Bible. So we have to look at all these things. So when you are talking about perishing, it's not necessarily always about your soul perishing. Your soul can be saved and many areas of your life is perishing where the life of Christ hasn't come. Where in the, how do you know the life of Christ? I wrote something somewhere else. Hope I can find it. Just give me a second. I write it so many different places. Yesterday we were looking at humbling, right? Okay, one of the things I wrote is that every time you sin, there is a measure of disgrace. But when you walk by faith, there is no disgrace but grace. Now let me ask you the simple question, believers. How many of you believe that without holiness you can see God? How many of you of us pursue holiness with all our heart? So if we don't repent from that attitude, we will perish. I'm not saying that you will not go to hell. There was... We looked at the harmony between the external and the internal, right? It was another thing. Okay, I shall not waste time. Too many notes. I wish it was currency. <laughs> Could have used it. Right, okay. And look at verse 11. For the reason God will send them, for this reason. What is the reason that God will send them a strong delusion? They should believe the lie. See, when God sends a delusion, you are done. Why will people believe a lie? Reason is given. Why will God allow me to believe a lie? Because I did not receive the love of truth. 
See, it's not that I know the whole truth or we know the whole truth. We can receive something, the love for the truth. If you don't receive the love for the truth, God will allow to believe a lie. That they may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So you have to read these four verses. It's all there. How we can get deceived. Why? Because they had pleasure in unrighteousness. Many will come to me, Jesus said, in my name. And said, Lord, Lord. And they are talking about signs and wonders and supernatural things. But his response is, I do not know you. Why? You are workers of unrighteousness, iniquity, lawlessness. So they were deluded. You see, they were deluded till they died. And on judgment day, they are appearing before Christ, hope, talking about their works. They were deluded. God handed them over to a delusion. And they all used his name. And that's why Psalm 138 too says, he has magnified his word above all. They used his name, but they did not love his word. That's truth. And they got deluded. And God allowed them to go into a delusion. And they did great wonders in his name. And God says, I don't even know you. Don't even know you. So we need to look at this. This is, this is just very brief. Looking at these coordinates. Very brief. You do your personal study. These coordinates keep expanding, 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 expanding. But let's first look at one more thing. Because we are looking at false gospel, a false Christ, a false spirit. The right gospel, the right Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Okay. What is the doorway to deception? What is the doorway to deception? Let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 11 to 17. That's the video. You should listen to Wednesday's message. It was a message. You have to listen. Equity and iniquity. Then you will understand. What is iniquity when you understand what is equity? Remember the other portion from the book of Isaiah? Truth has fallen in the marketplace, in the street. Therefore, equity cannot even enter. If you want to be and I want to be equitable people, not walking in iniquity, but walking in equity, first way is truth has to enter. The entrance of his truth is what makes us equitable people. Like God. There's no iniquity in God. No iniquity in God. So, Pastor Vijay showed, where did iniquity begin? Iniquity begins in heaven. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You wear the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. When God made Lucifer, Chabdiya put a seal also. What is the seal? Perfect. When he created all of us, he only said good. And he only said very good. When he created Lucifer, he said perfect. In English, we understand the difference. Good, better, best. Hmm? He made man good. He made woman better. He made Lucifer best. Hmm? 
Now look at that. We will leave verse 13. His decoration. We will leave all that. Okay. You were the anointed cherub who covers. So, perfect in beauty. Perfect in wisdom. On top of that, anointing also. Anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. Who walked forth in the midst of fire. Whenever you hear these things, your mind has to go through scripture. Who can ascend the holy mountain of God? Who has? Clean hand, hand say. That was Lucifer. He's not ascending. He was on the holy mountain of God because he has clean hands and a pure heart. And he walked back and forth on the holy mountain. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till what was discovered? Iniquity was discovered. Now go to verse 16 and 17. By the abundance of your trading, okay, we'll leave all that. Okay, we'll leave all that. Your heart was lifted up. What was his iniquity? Pride. Because of his beauty and because of his wisdom. Two things which are very important in man. Wealth and all came later. Wealth and all came later. Two good things over which people run. Either they run after beauty and if they don't have beauty, they run after wisdom. Run after wisdom. I think it was Bernard Shaw. The beautiful lady came and asked Bernard Shaw and said, you are the wisest man living and I'm the most pretty girl around. If we marry, have a child. Imagine a child with my looks and your brains. He said, madam, what if it's the other way? My looks and your brains. (laughs) (laughs) That's a wise man. (laughs) Worldly wise man. So we are looking at here two things. Perfect in beauty. Perfect in wisdom. And of course, the Bible talks about the abundance of the riches and the corruption and all. But you know what these two things did to him? Two things did? Pride. Let me tell you, this is true even till today. Very rarely can you find a beautiful woman or a handsome man who is not proud. Very rare. Impossible. That's why there is this William Yeats poem called A Prayer for My Daughter. In that he says, Please, his baby is born. He says, let her not be too beautiful. Because her beauty will destroy her. Let her not be ugly. Let her not be beautiful. Just enough. Because the history of the world is the destruction of beautiful women and the destruction beautiful women have brought. Look at Helen of Troy. (laughs) These are all stories stories. Beauty brings pride. Wisdom, human wisdom brings pride. So what was the iniquity? Just pride. Doorway to deception is pride. Behind deception is pride. Lucifer who probably was the most beautiful, perfect creation of God. Among the angels, we are lower than the angels now. Angels are higher than. And among the angels, he was God's best. He became proud because of his beauty and wisdom. Became a rebel. Ended up in deception. Still in deception. And still goes around deceiving. What was the doorway? Understand. Doorway. 
behind all deception, the power, the iniquity behind it, the iniquity that empowers is pride. Getting the picture? Matthew 24, 24, and then verse 22. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, if possible, even the elect. Everything God does is for the elect. This human history, the newspaper, that's not news. That's all perishable news. None of them will be there recorded even in eternity. Everything that God is doing from the beginning till today is for the elect. He knows his even before the foundation of the world, he knows his elect. Everything that God is doing is for his elect. And if you look at verse 22, unless those days were shorter, no flesh should be saved, but for the sake of the elect. Sake, those days will be shorter. Everything God is doing for the elect. So the elect means those who are chosen. Right? So the question is, the chosen and the elect are protected from deception. We have to do our part because it's a supernatural protection over deception. So the question is, am I chosen? Who are chosen? Not am I chosen. Who are chosen? Turn to First Corinthians. Chapter 1, verses 26 to 29. For you see your calling. Choosing comes after calling. Right? Brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, can say, according to the flesh, not many noble according to the flesh are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. What is the Bible saying? God doesn't usually call the wise, the noble, the mighty. He usually calls the foolish, the weak, the base, the despised. The simple question is why would God call people like that? To protect our hearts from pride. The base person usually has no pride. Because he's base anyway. The despised person has already dealt with his pride. The foolish one, what is he proud about? His foolishness? Do you see? Do you see the wisdom of God in the people he calls? Why? What is the doorway to deception? It is pride. It is pride. Now you will say, but what about Apostle Paul? He was wise. He was rich. He was noble. He comes from a Roman citizen by birth. Noble. Nobility of those days. He was nobility of those days. His father was supposed to be a shipbuilder, shipowner. Very rich man. Wisdom, he knew the law inside out. Pharisee among Pharisees. You put in that first category whom God will not choose. <laughs> He's in all that. But then God called him. So the problem is then how do you reconcile scripture? Turn to First Corinthians chapter 4, verses 9 onwards. 
For I think God has displayed us the apostle last as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to the angels and to men. Verse 10. We are fools. For Christ's sake. Remember in Philippians, he despises all these things. Fools for Christ's sake. But you are wise. We are weak. You are strong. Did you see? I am a fool. I am weak. You are distinguished. We are dishonored. Despised. To the present hour we both hunger and thirst. We are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor working with our own hands. Being reviled. We are reviled every day. Good for nothing fellow. Only comes to town to town to create trouble. And his message is useless. He doesn't even know how to preach properly. We bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth or the offspring of the world, the offspring of all things until now. Why? Paul, to see that pride doesn't get in. You will get deceived. Your message will change. You will be accursed. To the length God goes to protect this man. Sometimes we don't see the things that happen. We term it negative. But exactly the things that God does in our life to protect us from deception. Why? Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 10. Same man. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation. Now he thinks he's a fool, he's weak. All that category of calling, he now fits into it. And then what happens? Because of that, he's so low down to the ground, he gets such great revelations. He knows God like no man ever after Jesus. Not even Moses knew God that way. Now that is a big problem. If that lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger from Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord. Three times it might depart from me. God said, no. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Do you know what God did? It? That's a verse 7. He says, you know what, Paul? All the other categories, you fit. So I called you. And you became that. Now problem is I have given you too much revelation. It's dangerous. Because you came last. You have crossed all the others. You know more than all the other apostles before you. So you know what? There is this chance. Very strong chance of pride coming in because of your revelation. So what I am going to do? I am going to keep you humble. No deliverance for you. Handkerchief from your body will heal people. You will deliver people left, right, but you, no deliverance. That will keep you humble. Do you see the length God goes to see? Why did he do all that to Paul? So that after all these revelations, he should not get deceived. 
should not get deceived. You see that? Level God will go to protect the elect. Protect the elect. Why? Because even Lucifer, the anointed cherub, who walked on the holy mountain, probably among all the angels who had the closest proximity to the holy and living God, fell because of pride and was deceived. Still is deceived and still keeps deceiving. We need to understand. Then only we will understand the things that are happening in our life. Otherwise, we will not understand. We will fight. The very, that's what God is telling Paul in the beginning when he called him. Do I are kicking against the goats? Sometimes we fight the very things which keeps us from getting deceived. Lord, take this away. Why, Lord? How long, Lord? He says, as long as you live. But why, Lord? Because otherwise you will get deceived. I know you. I know you. When you are given one tiny little revelation, do you know how you talk to everybody about it? <laughs> or if you are a sister, you know, this lady went to this studio, took a picture. And she looked at the picture when it came developed. She looked at it and she was very upset. She, she, she said, your picture does not do me justice. He said, Sis, madam, you don't need justice. You need mercy. She thinks she's good looking. But she, when she's not. If you are slightly good looking and three boys look at you. Then you walk on heels when your slippers are flat. How is it possible we do not know? But people do walk. Their walk changes, the way their strides change, everything changes. You know what? I don't even know the measurement of the skin. Point something millimeter. Little fair, little good looking. You know how, this is a problem with beauty. Don't worry, it didn't start here, it started there. He was perfect in beauty, perfect in wisdom. You know? How we are proud about the wisdom of our children. When I was small, I was a GK boy. Any capital of any state, any country in those. Now I have forgotten. Those days I knew it all. And how proud parents are about your child's GK. Accomplishments. Remember all the trophies in the house? And if nobody notices, you will call them and tell them. <laughs> Beauty, wisdom. Watch out for these things. Watch out for the things. A man who can say, according to the law, blameless. And he says, I'm a fool for Christ's sake. I preach Christ. I don't preach the law. I preach Christ. He straight away went in the synagogues and preached the law. No. He preached Christ. Preach Christ. How God protects. God protects. Okay. Why? A doorway. Understand what empowers deception. This pride. James chapter 1 verse 21. You thought it was over, right? <laughs> that was your <laughs> That was your pride. <laughs> 
Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Receive? Understand this. Without weakness. Without meekness, you cannot receive the word. See, this is a condition to receive the word of God. Everybody hears the word in a church. Everybody does not receive. Why is it difficult to receive the word? Because there is a condition to receive the word. God resists the proud. The other side of the word. The proud resists the word. God gives grace to the meek or the humble. The meek and the humble receive the word. So there is an attitude. If pride is the doorway to deception, meekness is the doorway to receive the truth. These are all attitudes. These are all becoming. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. The word of God which is preached to everyone can save. But those who are saved, you will realize they have meekness. And they receive it. It doesn't matter. The vessel does not matter to them at all. It doesn't matter which vessel it comes from. If it is the word of God and the spirit of God convicts them, they receive it meekness and they repent and they change. Because they know the power is in the word and not the vessel. Meekness. First Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold or putting on fine apparel. Why is he talking about outward atonement? Because that is what Lucifer was, outwardly perfect. Then corruption got inside. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. Why is a quiet and a meek spirit so precious in God's sight? Because he can speak to you. That's why. Why does he love that act, that spirit? Because he's able to speak to you. Because he's humble. Verse 15. Sanctify the Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. Why meekness? You are not saved by the abundance of right knowledge of God. You are saved by the gates of God. So you may have great revelations like Paul received. Remain meek. Your revelation did not save you. You were given revelations because you were saved. And continued in your salvation. Psalm 25, verse 4 and 5. Oh, uh, Matthew 11 and verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. What is the first thing you have to learn from him? Jesus is gentle and lowly in heart. Therefore, the Father could teach him everything. And the Spirit could fill him without measure. Why? Because of his heart, his attitude. He's a meek person. The meekest person. Like Moses, the meekest person in the old covenant. In the entire both covenants, the meekest person is Jesus. Turn to Psalm 25, verse 4 and 5. Show me your ways. We know this very well. Teach me your paths. It's our prayer. Lord, show me your ways. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. 
On you I wait all the day. This is the prayer of David. A prayer of a saint. Lord, teach me your ways. Show me your paths. Lead me in your truth. I am waiting upon you all day. How long will you wait? Whom can God teach? Look at the other verses. The humble he guides in justice. And the humble he teaches his way. You can wait all your life. But if you are not humble, he will not teach you. This is the prayer of a man. This is the attitude of that man. Therefore, God is able to teach him. See, for revelation, you don't need intellectual ability or superiority. None of those things. That is why the sanitary was surprised. How can this unlearned men speak like this? And they said they were with Jesus. So what did they learn from Jesus? Meekness. Meekness. One of the first things they learned was that, you know what? Meekness. They learned meekness from Jesus. And therefore God was able to teach them. And they're giving the Sanhedrin not just a run for their money. They couldn't even understand. Where did these guys get this revelation from? Where did they get this wisdom from? Because God is able to teach them. Teach them. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 to 9. Let this be mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. What is that mind? Because that humble, meek mind. Let this mind be in you. And I will use the term attitude. Let this attitude in me. Not this thinking brains. The attitude. Who also being, also being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation. Why? So that he could be chosen. In the form of a bond servant, coming in the likeness of a man, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Therefore, the father was able to teach him. Became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Result? Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every other name. See, God does not change his pattern for anybody. What does First Peter 5, 6 say? Humble thyself under the mighty hand of God and he will... Who is the man who humbled greatest or most under the hand of God, Christ. Obedient even death and death on the cross. So what did God do? Exalted him above every other name. Are you getting it? Pride is the doorway. Humility is the protection from deception. Because God can teach you. God can teach you. Two more verses and we will close. No, one. I, we already looked at five, six. First Corinthians seven and words twenty-five. Now concerning we virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord. Yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord, in His mercy, has made trustworthy. Huge, huge, huge secret in that. You know what we are because of God's mercy. If you and I become faithful, it will be because of God's mercy. Everything is because of God's mercy. What does mercy mean? You know, first doorway, remember? First doorway is mercy. Why do we enter his gates with thanksgiving? Because of mercy. 
the goodness of God. What is the difference between mercy and justice? Justice is what I deserve. Mercy is what I don't deserve. You know what we all deserve? Justice. But what do we receive every day? Mercy. And we need to realize, it doesn't matter where we reach, what level of perfection we reach, it's all because of mercy. All because of mercy. Okay. Because when we understand the mercy of God, we will remain humble. You are more good looking than somebody else. You know what it is? Mercy of God. If you wanted, you could have flipped it over. You could have been born deformed. Nobody would even take a look at you. Why aren't you born deformed? Because of the mercy of God. You could have never crossed class one, failed there and finally suspended from school. Why did you pass? Mercy of God. It's a mercy of God. That's what the Bible says. Ultimately, there are only two vessels. Vessels of mercy, vessels of wrath. We need to understand this verse, what he's talking about. This is a man who we put it as our icon. Oh, cloud of saints, my number one saint. What does he say? I am trustworthy because of God's mercy. Whoever thinks you are faithful, you are capable, you are able, you are anything because of mercy. He's not even talking about grace. Grace is stage two. He's not even talking about grace. It is the grace of God that has made me what? That is one thing. It is not even that. He says it's not even grace. It is the mercy of God. Because come boldly, confidently to the throne room of grace and receive what first? Mercy. Because without mercy, there is no meaning in grace. Meaning in grace. And we understand we are vessels of mercy. Meaning we deserve nothing from God. Absolutely nothing from God. The only thing you and I deserve all the days of our life is the wrath of God. Instead he has shown us mercy. Keep us humble. Keep us humble. Keep us humble. Will we meek? Can I have one more verse? Matthew 11. And verse 6. Two more verses. Okay. Let me finish that thought. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. When we know we are vessels of mercy, we'll be never be offended by the word. We'll fight offense. We'll fight offense. We will not be offended by the word. We'll fight with every ounce of our being not to be offended by the word of God because we realize we are vessels of mercy. Vessels of mercy. And then whatever we go through in life because of Christ's sake, we won't be offended. We won't be offended. You see how it happens? Pride is the doorway to deception. Humility is the doorway to revelation. And with humility comes other things. It starts, God is able to teach you. He's able to correct you. He's able to tell anything to you. And you're not ashamed. You're not offended. You are able to go through afflictions. And you're not, look at that's another verse and we'll stop with that. Acts, and I never, I never connected this, that one thing, a title. One day I want to have a message called, so they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing. They were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. One day I want to have a message called to suffer shame for his name. 
That's not in the world. The world is to receive glory for somebody's name. How we wear the title servant of God, clerical God or pastor, most reverend, right reverend, wrong reverend, all that. (laughs) That's not what is written here. Think about it. Think about it. When we go through trials and tribulations and suffering and persecution because of his namesake, because we stood on the revelation, on the word and refused to budge, do we count ourselves worthy to suffer shame for his name? The world is up. Exactly over counted worthy to be selected in this team, selected for this position. It's all counted worthy for honor. It's completely shame for his name. You know when it happens? It happens the doorway of humility. God is able to teach us, and God is able to put us through the fire, and we are not proud. We are because we are not proud, we are not offended, but because we are meek, we are rejoice when we go through this. You see, these are all connected. The doorway to fall, deception and fall and perishing is pride. The doorway to being sanctified and being made perfect is humility. There are two doorways. So keep these things in mind. Because there is a false gospel, the false Christ, the false spirit. It's a true gospel. It's a true Christ. There's a true spirit. He takes you in this route. The true gospel takes you in this route. Amen? Shall we pray? Father, this morning we just thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We are all susceptible to deception. All the days of our life. If you did not protect us, we would fail. Our knowledge won't keep us. Our understanding won't keep us. It's only through Humility, we can cling to the cross. Therefore, you said, Lord, be humble in the sight of the Lord. And in due season, he will exalt you. You ask all of us to clothe ourselves with humility. And it's always upon us. For the Bible says, humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. Teach us. Teach us, Lord each day. And to welcome the things that happen in our lives that keep us humble. The flesh despises it. The flesh fights those things. But those are the very things that has kept us humble. Dependent upon you. Close to you. Kept us in our prayer closet. Kept us buried in your word. Help us not to fight the goats that take us closer and closer to Christ. Guard and protect us from deception, Lord. Constantly, Lord. If you know we would be deceived, shorten our days. We don't want to live long and die deceived. We would rather live short and die saved. God has protected us. You are able, more than able to do it. We surrender our lives into thy hands. And we pray, may Christ be lifted up, magnified and be glorified through us. And he and he alone 
receive the glory in our lives, Lord, and through our lives. Thank you, thank you, Father, thank you. Come in the rest of the day, the Q&A, all into thy hands, Lord. We are dependent upon you, even for the answers. Thank you, Lord, thank you. Go with us, go before us. Even the worship practice won't be a practice. It will be a worship session. Magnifying you, lifting you up, O Lord. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.